There's disappointment for many things, and we've learned quite a bit over these last couple of years about how we plan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans and Allah is the best of planners. But the disappointment of planning Hajj or planning Umrah and then not being able to go is very, very hard to deal with. And subhanAllah, I've seen people that, and I've been in the situation where you plan to go and then you can't go. And then even people that get turned away at an airport or something was wrong with their passports, um, it didn't come through, the visa didn't come through on time, or someone got very sick in Medina, couldn't proceed to the Hajj. And that's a very hard thing to deal with. And you have to console people in that situation and remind them that it's about the intention. But beyond that, what then of the disappointment of the Sahaba when they thought they were on their way to Umrah after all of these years of being out of Mecca and they had to turn back to Medina? So it's the sixth year after Hijrah and the Prophet after a difficult stretch, right? This is soon after Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench. And the Muslims had just survived a massacre, right? Where they were all supposed to be killed and went through all the difficulties of that siege. The Prophet has this dream. And in this dream, he sees himself وسلم, and the Muslims out there making tawaf in ihram, finishing their umrah all together. And the dreams of the prophets are revelation. So what the Prophet ﷺ saw was indeed to pass and indeed to happen. So he wakes up وسلم, so happy, so full of joy. And he tells the Sahaba what he saw. So you can imagine, especially for the Muhajireen who hadn't been home for now six years, they have a chance to go to Umrah with the Prophet ﷺ. And they're not even thinking about the consequences or the hardships that they might encounter because surely what the Prophet ﷺ saw is revelation and it's going to happen. So 1,500 of the companions proceed to Mecca along with the Prophet ﷺ. And they're in their ihram. They're not bringing the proper equipment or weaponry for battle and for war. And this puts the people of Mecca in an interesting place because they're in Mecca, they pride themselves on, you know, being able rivals and people that hold, you know, some sort of ethical standard and how they treat their enemies. And they're in a difficult situation. Do we just massacre the Muslims when they come? If we do that, when they come to Mecca, then we would have violated every secular religious pact that exists about how you treat the pilgrims, right? So. We can't kill them all here. It's, it's different when we're going to battle with them. Who will make Hajj then, right? If we have enmity with the tribe, it's understood that there are sacred months and sacred times, and we're not supposed to fight at certain times. So what's gonna happen in that situation? So they don't know what to do. Do we fight them? Do we turn them away? Do we prohibit them? Do we you know, try to kill them in, in a way that is, uh, is secretive and so people won't find out? So because of that, they have to go to the Prophet and to these Muslims in Ihram, these pilgrims, and they have to figure out a way to negotiate with them to stop them from coming to Mecca in the first place. Because if they come to Mecca, it's either humiliation for them because they were able to come do Umrah and go home without being killed. And that's a spit in the face of the people of Mecca, or we kill them and we disgrace ourselves and we violate all the covenants and all the contracts. And we become the talk of the people of Mecca in that regard. So they go out to the Prophet ﷺ and they negotiate the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. And obviously, as the Prophet ﷺ is there in Hudaybiyah, he is also making concessions ﷺ, to Suhaid ibn Amr. 
in particular, um, who is one of the chief enemies. Like not being able to write Rasulullah on the pact, not being able to write Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim on the pact. And one of those main conditions is that you have to turn back and not perform Umrah this year. So after you've already made these preparations, in exchange for peace for 10 years, where you get to do da'wah, you get to call people to Allah, you get to have your peace that you've been seeking, you have to turn around and not do Umrah this year. And that was so difficult for the Sahaba to swallow. I mean, first and foremost, you have the Umar radiallahu anhu, the people like Umar radiallahu anhu, and there are very few, right? But that are like, wait a minute, we're on the truth and they're on falsehood. Let's just go forward, forget them, right? We'll fight them, we'll go to battle. Why are we making any concessions to them? Why are we compromising here? Why are we signing this treaty? Then you have a lot of other Sahaba that are just wanting to go to Umrah, right? They've been so excited. They've been thinking about this. They're in their ihram. And these are the people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he's pleased with, that took the pledge of Ridwan, Bay'atul Ridwan, that Allah is pleased with those people because they were willing to die going out to Mecca when they thought that Uthman radiallahu anhu was killed. And they were willing to put their lives on the line, but now we can't do Umrah. And this is a lesson for us, by the way, that sometimes, sometimes the ibadah is in abstaining from something that we really want to do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but Allah is directing us elsewhere. And in this situation, the Sahaba have to listen to the Prophet as they always do. And they have to swallow that bitter, bitter, bitter pill of disappointment. Now Rasulullah comes out and he informs the Sahaba that they're going to turn back and that they're not going to go forth. And no one wants to move. The Prophet goes to Umm Salama and he asks Umm Salama what he should do. And she's a wise woman. So she says to the Prophet look, you know, they're obviously disappointed. They're naturally disappointed, but they're hoping, right? They're holding out hope that maybe something will change. So that's why, you know, they haven't cut their hair yet. That's why they haven't sacrificed yet and exited their ihram. There's probably still that hope that something's going to change. So she told the Prophet if you go out there and you call for the barber to shave your head and you sacrifice, then that's going to be the finality and the closure to this all, and they're going to follow you. As, as disappointed and as hurt as they're going to be, they're going to follow you. And that's exactly what happened. The Prophet goes out there, he shaves his head, he sacrifices. And so they all understand that this is what they have to do. And of course, this Umrah counts and the ulama count this Umrah for the Sahaba of the Prophet and for the Prophet himself, because they did what they had to do and they could not complete the rights of the Umrah simply because they were stopped. And so the reward is already there. But what about the feeling? What about the need to actually go? And what about the ayah in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ رَسُولَهُ الرُّؤْيَا بِالْحَقِّ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guaranteed the Prophet Sallallahu dream. He was truthful to the Prophet Sallallahu and what he showed to him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will indeed fulfill what the Prophet Sallallahu saw you will enter into Al-Masjid Al-Haram, insha'Allah, by the will of Allah. Aminina muhalliqina ru'usakum wa muqassireen la takhafun. You will enter in and you will shave your heads and you will cut your hair and you will not be afraid. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what you don't know. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instilled within that what? Fathan qariba, an opening that is to come 
soon. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet and saying to the believers that the ru'ya will happen, the dream will come true. But as the Prophet explained to the companions, this was for the next year, not for this particular year. However, look at all of the blessings that came through Hudaybiyah, the ability to do da'wah peacefully, the ability for Islam to spread far as a result of that journey that the Prophet undertook. Now, of course, the Prophet however, has in the deal with the Meccans that he will still be able to do Umrah the next year. So now it's the seventh year and the Prophet once again goes out in Dhul Qa'dah. And all three of the Umrahs that the Prophet would do before his Hajj happened in Dhul Qa'dah. And this time he has 2000 people with him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is known as the Umrah of Qada, the makeup Umrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and those that were prohibited in the sixth year. So they arrive at Mecca once again, and the Quraysh see the Prophet and these Sahaba that are coming from Al Madinah. And he says, Why are your men armed? And we know you not to be a person who would break your treaty. So we know you, Ya Rasulullah, or Ya Muhammad, of course, they didn't acknowledge him as the Messenger of Allah, that you're not a person that breaks the treaty. So how come the people have their arms? And the Prophet said, that we would not carry our arms into the Haram. So they brought it to the journey, but they would not carry their arms into the Haram. Surely the Prophet enters into Mecca and he leaves about 200 armed men about eight miles away from the Haram. And so they're on the outskirts and they can monitor the situation in case there is an attack they would be able to rush to the aid of the Prophet and the 1800 companions that were doing their Umrah in that situation unarmed. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is coordinating with the Meccans and the Quraysh as part of the deal, they retreated to the outside of the Haram and they left it for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now think of this scene, Rasulullah and the Sahaba coming to do Umrah for the first time in seven years now. And the Meccans who have persecuted them and run them out of Mecca as a part of the deal, they have to watch the Prophet sallallahu and the Muslims do their Umrah. And so they're seeing what Muslim Umrah looks like. They're hearing the talbiya, the chant for the first time of Islam. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik, labbaik la sharika laka labbaik, inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk la sharika laka. They're hearing the talbiya for the first time. And they're watching these Muslims proceed so beautifully to carry out their Umrah. And Quraysh, they, they had this rumor where they said that the Muslims became weak in Medina, that these people, once they left Mecca, they lost their strength. And so the Prophet ﷺ said that as a sunnah, when you go to tawaf, he told them to show their strength in the first three rounds of tawaf. And so tawaf al-qudum, the first tawaf, the men will expose their shoulder and the Prophet ﷺ told them to run, to show their fast pace so that the rumor that they have become weakened in Al-Madinah is dismantled in that regard. So that's why when we go to do Umrah for the first time, we do our first tawaf, there's that sunnah of Raml, of going quickly within the first three rounds. And the Prophet told them in a sa'i in particular as well, that where the dip is in the valley between Safa and Marwa, that as they go into the valley, that they should come out quickly, that the men should run so that they could show their strength and come out quickly. Now, by the way, I actually want to mention this here because it becomes confusing to a lot of sisters in particular when they go to do Sa'i between As-Safa and Marwa. That's where the green markers are now between As-Safa and Marwa. And I've heard sisters say this, that if we are 
acknowledging Hajar السلام, who used to run between As-Safa and Marwa, how come the men run between Safa and Marwa and the women don't? The answer to that is that it's not that these two green markers are the place where Hajar السلام, ran with Ismail This was the place where on that Umrah of the Prophet وسلم, the men go into the valley or the people go into the valley. And so the Prophet وسلم, said, rise up quickly to show them your strength. This was a demonstration of strength to the Quraysh as they were watching this. And this is a sunnah that we follow until today. So this is not something that's specific to Hajar alayhi salam. It is something that arises out of this context with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they proceeded after the Sa'i and Rasulullah sallallahu took that group of people. And as they reached Al-Marwa, the Prophet sallallahu called for the barber and they started to shave each other's heads and they sacrificed 60 camels all while the people of Mecca were watching this entire Umrah unfold. The Prophet ﷺ then retreated to the place where the guards were and the Prophet ﷺ and those that had performed Umrah, they took their place and the 200 armed men were able to come down and they were able to perform their Umrah as well. Now of the wisdoms of this, by the way, is that you could imagine that a lot of the people of Mecca who had persecuted the Muslims and who hated Islam as they were watching this Umrah of the Prophet ﷺ unfold before their eyes, their hearts were probably moved. And that's why there are a few people who converted to Islam soon after that Umrah of Qadha. And some of the scholars, they mentioned that this particularly played a role in moving the hearts of Amr ibn As, Khalid ibn al-Walid, and Uthman ibn Talha. So three very prominent converts who witnessed this Umrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and what a sight it was to watch the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and this group of companions perform their Umrah for the first time after seven years. Al-Imam ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala says that the Prophet Sallallahu performed four Umrahs in his lifetime. First was the Umrah of Hudaybiyah. Why? Because he was prohibited, so it still counts for him. Then was this Umrah of Qada, this particular make-up Umrah, and the other two Umrahs are to come with the Fatih of Mecca, with the conquest of Mecca, as well as the Umrah that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would perform with his farewell Hajj.